Great day, beautiful people. Great day. Welcome to the Do Make Something show. Jump into it. Today, we're going to be talking about dealing with imposter syndrome and also a little discussion about mental health. What up, Black man? Welcome to the Do Make Something podcast, where we focus on helping Black men to overcome mediocrity, to become beneficial men for their community by discussing faith, creativity, art, and culture personal development, and mental health management. I'm your host, Jamal Calpin. I hope you all are doing well, staying safe, making sure that you're finding time to create something and to help manage your, your mental health, your mental mental, and all that, and um, doing the work so that you can become more beneficial for your community. All right, so we'll jump in to the uh, mental mental or mental health check-in. I'm going to start with um, discussing like highs and lows, where my head's at, Maybe I'll also share like something that I, I created this week. So we'll we'll start low. <laughs> what was my low for this week? The low for this week was I got scammed. <laughs> I got scammed uh, trying to sell some some audio equipment online, which is really 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 frustrating because it's happened to me many times at this point. It's definitely been more than. At this point, 10 times that people have tried to scam me or get over on me um, in various capacities. And it's really, really, really frustrating. So recently, I was trying to sell something on Facebook. And uh, it <laughs> I was trying to sell something on Facebook just to make some extra cash. And somebody sent me a message saying that they're interested or whatever. And it was just this whole back and forth. And it was just really disappointing because, you know, it. I think the hurtful thing about scams is that you get your hopes up about something you're like you're interested you're uh excited especially if you're like oh yeah i'm just trying to do something real quick it's just frustrating it's such a drag because we were just lying to you lying to you being deceptive and all this stuff and it's i think the part that's also frustrating is that 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 person is putting in so much work when they could have just been upfront. like if you really wanted to buy the thing fine but if all you're trying to do is steal from me just go away just go away don't don't bother me I don't, I don't, I don't have, I don't want this. Other people actually want to purchase what I have to purchase. Or another time that I was scammed, I was applying for jobs, which really, really sucked because I was applying for remote work and I was using LinkedIn to try to get connected into a, a, into a job. And it was this whole thing. They did like this online interview and I was chatting with them back and forth and all this stuff. And they were supposed to send me equipment and do all this stuff, whatever, whatever. But it came down. They're like, well, yeah, we're going to send you a check. We're going to send you a check for you to go buy the equipment. You were supposed to deposit it a certain way and then they would get the money back. But ultimately what they were supposed to do is you would deposit this check into your account and then you would purchase this equipment. But all that's really happening is that they're taking money from your account. And it's... There's, it's just gross. It's just really, really gross. So, I mean, that was my low, like dealing with that. Internet scams are becoming, I don't even know if they're becoming more complex, um, but they're becoming more rampant. Like they're definitely happening way too much, <laughs> way too much. And it's it's just really frustrating. And, and the thing that makes me even more upset about it is that if you're not aware of this kind of stuff, so it could be older people online who get scammed a lot often, actually, older people online, or it can be subtle things like in your email, if you don't know what to look for, if you don't know what to look for, like in phishing or um, 
yeah, just like blatant scams and stuff like that. If you don't know what to look for, people can get caught up really easily because they'll try to impersonate you in every way. And they are trying to, the people who are scamming are trying their best to like be more proficient at this, at representing other people and deceiving people. And it just sucks. <laughs> it's just not good. Ah, uh, uh, it grinds my gears. It's, it's, it's bad. Anyways, let's move from the low to the high. So the high for me this week is that I started a new job, which I am super, super grateful for. I'm very, very thankful for. Um, it's an opportunity. It's an AV contract um, that a friend of mine hooked me up with, and I really appreciate it because it was very timely. I'm very, very grateful for it. How I want to tie this into, though, what I mentioned about imposter syndrome, because as my first day, as my first day of work was coming up, I was, I was dealing with some serious like imposter syndrome. And I think it really comes from the fact that I haven't worked a regular job, at least in AV for like over three years. And I was super nervous, super anxious about going into the office and, you know, starting this contract because it's been so long, (laughs) it's been so long. And so, you know, there are things on my resume that I do have experience in and that I, you know, I don't, I don't lie on my resume. So I do have experience in the things that are there and my skill set and all that. But I guess because I, I feel so rusty, I just really questions like, am I really good at this? Am I, am I actually an AV technician? Am I, am I actually like an AV specialist? Do I, do I actually have like close to 10 years of experience <laughs> doing all this stuff? Can't, you know, I, I don't know. So, but I'm grateful that uh, my first day went really smooth and went really smooth. And I was just saying to myself, like, all right, I just need to get through the first day. I just need to show up and I need to get through the first day. And I know when it comes to imposter syndrome, we can so often think so bad about ourselves and think so lowly of our experience or questioning, are we legitimate in the things that we're trying to do? Whether it's the services that we're trying to offer people or our personal experience. So say like, if somebody was like, yeah, I'm a podcaster. And even if you just started your podcast, you have five episodes for some people it may feel like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not a real podcaster. I'm kind of just doing it as a hobby. But like, no, if you, if you're really spending time and, and investing energy into creating episodes and creating content, I, I would consider you a podcaster, but because we compare ourselves to say like Joe Rogan or other people like that who have huge podcasts, you may not feel like a podcaster or because you started your podcast and you haven't started making money and you don't have like sponsorships and things like that. You feel like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a podcaster. That's not true. You are. And it happens for so many different things. You know, we think poorly of ourselves. You know, I don't, I don't know fully why that is, why we have these interests, these passions and these things that we confidently express our interest and energy into but then when it comes to dealing with other people, that confidence is just thrown out the window. And I know it's frustrating and paralyzing for those who wrestle with imposter syndrome, but you really, the way I look at it is you just kind of have to put yourself in a position to just do it regardless. So it took me, it took me until into my adult life to ride like a legitimate roller coaster. So like before I would only ride like wooden little roller coaster. So if anybody's ever been to King King's Dominion in uh, Virginia, uh, there was this ride. I don't even know if it still exists, but at the time, at the time there was this ride in King's Dominion, King's King's Dominion that um, 
it was called the Scooby-Doo, I think. And it was in like the little kids part, part of the park. And I think that was just a roller coaster dedicated for that, that section. And so it may have had like one or two like dips or whatever. That was like the extent of my roller coaster experience up until about 2008, 2009. Uh, I think I was a sophomore in college and I had the opportunity to go to, it's one of those Disney parks, I think, or something like that. It's like Islands of Adventure. I don't know. Maybe it's not Disney. It's like Universal Studios. But anyways, I had the opportunity to go. And uh, while I was there, I kind of forced myself. I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm an adult now. <laughs> I'm an adult now. I'm actually going to ride a real roller coaster. But I, I had, and I still slightly do, have like a huge fear of roller coasters. Because to me, it's not natural. I shouldn't be being flung around in like this metal contraption and on these tracks or whatever. But I, I mean, I get it. Like I understand the the science behind it. I understand the physics. Like it makes sense. Like why you should be safe on roller coasters. Um, it makes sense, but there are also <laughs> have been incidents when people have gotten stuck or fallen off, fallen off of roller coasters and stuff like that. So I don't think the fear that I have is completely irrational. Um, but at that time, I was like, I, I, I want to conquer this. And so at the time, uh, I had some friends help me to do that. And so what, what they did is what I told them is like, okay, we're going to get on this roller coaster, but I need one person in front of me and one person behind me. And I'm just going to follow you through. So we're going to get in line and the person in front of me, you just keep going. The person behind me, you just keep going. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to go with the, pro the program because if I give myself enough time to sit and to think about it, I'm going to chicken out. Like I'm not going to do it. And so the plan went like that. And yes, I was nervous. I was shaking. I was whatever, you know, there were a lot of times I just had my eyes closed and like my head was down because I'm like, ah, I do not really want to do this. But I put myself in this position where I had no choice. Like I, I forced myself to do it. And, you know, prior to that, I was like, oh, I'm not a person that rides roller coasters. But I was trying to become that. I was trying to become a person who rides roller coasters. And the only way to do that is to move forward. So I put myself in a position that I only could move forward because the people in front of me and behind me wouldn't let me go anywhere else. And I think dealing with imposter syndrome is the same way. You can have these feelings, you can have these doubts, you can have these hesitations, but I think the way to deal with it is just to put your position, put yourself in a position where all you can do is move forward. All you can do is move forward. Even if that is for me going to work, like I needed this job, <laughs> I need this job, I want this job. And I have to go. I'm not going to chicken out of working and making money and trying to provide for my family just because I feel like an imposter. No. What I need to do is get on the train to work and just keep walking and just show up and trust and believe that it's going to work out. Because, I mean, I think the fear of the fear that I was having at, with the imposter syndrome is that I'm going to get there and maybe something about uh, my knowledge of AV or my AV experience is going to be exposed and they're going to be like, oh, you're not who you said you are. You're fired. <laughs> and um, but again, in my mind, I was like, that's not true. I, like one, I know what I know. And two, I know I'm smart and I can figure things out quickly, especially when it comes to like technology and AV stuff. I don't know if it's a gift or whatever or a talent, whatever. But I know I would figure it out. So holding on to those two, those two things were like my friend in front of me and behind me. I, I know I'm smart. I know I have experience and I also know I got to be here. That framework held me and pushed me to keep going, regardless of the feelings that I have. 
you know, about myself or the thoughts that I have about myself. And I, I think that's how we have to deal with imposter syndrome the same way, regardless of what you're doing. If you're saying, oh, I'm a writer. Well, whatever your why is, that's motivating, motivating you to do that. And then also believing in your skill set, even in the very lowest level of your skill set, those can be your two friends to guide you through that process. Because we all need that. Like if you if you really are dealing with imposter syndrome, you feel like, oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. Just find those two things to help you keep moving forward and don't think about it. The less you think about it, the easier it is to get through that process. Because as soon as we sit around and question, that's when the imposter syndrome really kicks in. But I mean, I say all that to say that I made it through the day. <laughs> I made it through the day. And after making it through the day, I was like, oh, okay, I can do this. I can do this. And sure, there's still like a lot to learn and a lot of experience to gain um, from this contract that I'm doing. And again, I'm grateful because I'm looking forward to learning a lot and getting better with my AV skills and all that stuff. But I had to get over that. Like I just needed to get through the first day. And I think it's the same way. Like whatever you may have, you know, struggles with or whatever, find those two things, find friends, friends to help you keep moving forward. You know, it could be your why behind what you're doing. Say with this, if you're trying to manage your mental health, your mental and emotional health, maybe you're thinking, uh, I don't really, I don't really want to get counseling. Well, put up two friends to help you just show up at the first counseling session, whether it's virtual or in person. They can be like, well, I want to be healthier for myself. I want to be a better communicator and have a better understanding of who I am. And I also want to be more of an asset to my loved ones. Being a better communicator helps me to be a better asset to those I love, whether it's my spouse, whether it's my my family, whether it's my community. Put yourself in the middle and just keep going. Just keep going. Don't ask questions. Even if you got to close their, close your eyes, just show up and just get through the first day. You can do it. Like there's the imposter syndrome thing is like, it's a lie. It's a lie. And so you can show up and do it for yourself. All right. Those were the highs and lows. Let's see. Was there anything else I wanted to talk about? I guess just where I am. I'm okay. In general, I'm okay. Again, after I started uh, working, I started my job, I think a lot of my anxiety and stuff went away. And I know for me, I'm also working on making sure that I'm exercising, eating right, and getting sleep. And uh, those are things I definitely have to work on so I can be in a better mental and emotional state. Better, yeah, better mental and emotional state. I did kind of create this week. I journaled. I mainly journaled a lot. I'm trying to think, did I do anything else creative? No, I mean, this week was kind of busy but I did find time to write. So writing is like usually my first go-to in regards to creating stuff. All right. So now that we've done the mental, mental check-in, we're going to move on to the next section of the show. So what I really wanted to talk about kind of references back to a YouTube video that I created sometime last year. I think it might've been early last year, but the the title of it is, is mental illness, the blight of the black man, or is mental illness like the real problem when it comes to black men? And I wanted to kind of expound on that a little bit to, to make some, get some, give some clarity to why I believe mental health and emotional health is so vital and key to black men, black men being their best selves. So first I wanted to identify the difference between illness and health. Since we're going to be talking about mental illness and mental health, I think they're definitely related, but they're also 
there's a difference there between them. So let's look at the definition of both illness and health. We'll start with health. So health, the, the general condition of the body or mind with reference to soundness and vigor. Soundness of body or mind, freedom from disease or ailment. I don't think you need that. <laughs> so there are a lot of definitions of words, right? So health in general is the general condition of the body or mind with reference to soundness and vigor. So just like your overall health, it's literally like the state of your body, you know, body and also your mind. If it's in a good, even balanced place, then if we look at the word illness, illness is poor health. So I'll just keep reading the definition. Poor health, sickness, a specific sickness or disease or an instance of such. Let's see if they got different definitions of illness, a disease or indisposition, sickness, a state of ill health, disease of body or mind, poor health, sickness. All right. So we see the difference. Illness is really something's wrong with the state of your health, right? I think it's important to understand that in general, we are responsible for our, for our health, right? I think we understand that, especially when it comes to physical things. We understand that if we're out of shape, a lot of that can be our responsibility, right? So if you're, <laughs> if you're just eating donuts every day, if you're not exercising, if you're eating donuts every day, if you're smoking every day, if you're drinking every day, if you're not getting good rest, if you're not getting all the macro and micronutrients that you need, if you're not spending enough time outside in the sun, your your overall health will probably not be good. We understand that. Like physically, we, we get that, right? If we want to lose weight, there's things that we can do to try to lose weight. If we want to be stronger, there's things that we can do to try to be stronger or faster or whatever. We're responsible for that. We also understand that there are certain things in our bodies, in our health, that we cannot control, which can manifest as illnesses. Certain people or are born, as an example, are born with abnorm abnormalities in their physical design. So there are some people who are born with like sickle cell anemia. It's something that regardless of what you eat, what you drink, it's just something in your body that you can't control. It just happened. And that would be an illness or a disease. It could be like MS or for some people it could be like Crohn's disease or, you know, um, ulcerative colitis. There are different things that happen to our bodies that we don't fully understand. We also can't really trace to where it started or how it happened in, in our bodies, right? In, the, in those cases, those would be diseases and, and illnesses. We also understand that there are certain things, if we don't take care of our health, it can lead to a disease or illness, right? So I mentioned the idea of smoking or the idea of drinking. At this point in time, where we are and our understanding of drugs and alcohol and things like that, if you consume too much of these things, it can lead to a disease, dis-ease or illness in your body because it's changing the state of your health. If you drink a lot, you can get to a place where you have liver disease, right? If you smoke a lot, you can get to a place where you can have lung cancer. These are illnesses and disease, diseases that could have been prevented. That's what we understand. That's what we see on the labels of alcohol. You can see it in any liquor store that you go to. In regards to lung cancer, we there are so many warnings on smoking and tobacco. And, you know, the truth campaign has been happening forever <laughs> at this point. There's a lot of information and understanding in science that there are certain things that can be prevented. 
But if we take certain actions, it will lead to poor health. It will lead to illnesses. It will lead to disease, right? So we understand that when it comes to the physical, I think what we really wrestle with is that we don't understand that that can happen also with our mental. So there are things in our mental health in general, there's a standard, got it? We, we understand good mental health. It's sound, like we mentioned in the definitions, like soundness of something. It's sound, it's like a homeostasis, it's good, right? This is a baseline. That applies to our mental health as well. There are also situations where people have mental illnesses that we don't fully understand, that impact our lives, whether we want, want it to or not. So there are people who wrestle with bipolar. There are people who wrestle with severe depression. There are people who wrestle with anxiety, uh, schizophrenia, lots of different things, right? Things that it just happens. Sadly, it just happens. Just like I mentioned with sickle cell anemia or MS or different diseases that are just, they just happen in the body. There are things that just happen in the mind that we don't fully understand. And it sucks. It really does. And the reason I'm, I'm trying to point this all out is I, I noticed from the content that I created before in regards to trying to help black men, one, navigate dealing with mental illness and mental health in general. Oftentimes when the topic or the subject of mental health and mental illness comes up with related to black men, some people like to use it or see it as an excuse for the behavior of individuals who make poor decisions or bad decisions or very honestly evil and wicked decisions. I wanted to be clear that that's not my stance. That's not where I'm coming from. I am at no point at all trying to use poor mental health or mental illness as an excuse for the behavior of men in our community. Not at all. I'm, I'm not trying to do that as like, oh, well, we're just mentally ill. Because we, we, um, we understand and see the impact of it when it comes to violence in our country from, I don't even know the safe, safe words for this, but when there are crises, a crisis, when there are people who go around and kill innocent young children or delete, I guess is the word, I'm still learning all the, <laughs> all the safe words or whatever for, for YouTube, but go around and delete young children in schools or delete large amounts of people at movie theaters or at malls, at various places. In some instances, when those people do that, who are doing the, the deleting and they do not look like us, <laughs> they are of the lighter persuasion. They oftentimes aren't looked at as criminals or that they're evil or that they've done bad things. Oftentimes what we see in the news is that those individuals wrestle with mental illness and it gives them a pass. It gives them a pass for the, the dangerous behavior that they enacted on those around them and in the society and in the community that we live in. Deleting people who are just at a grocery store because they don't look like you. We excuse it as mental illness. I don't agree with that. And I, I honestly think that's a lot of political media spin to try to protect the image of the supremacy of this country. That's, that's, my, that's my take. But when it comes to dealing with mental illness and mental health within our community, I'm not trying to do a political and media spin at all. That is not what I'm trying to do. And so I'm trying to clear that up and also make the, the demarcation between 
really dealing with mental illness. Like I understand that there's, I think there are different types of illness and with a slight comparison, again, using physical examples. And I'm, what I mean by physical is, is diseases that we can see, diseases and illnesses that we can see in our body. Because often, you know, we're only recently learning more about how to navigate mental health and mental illness. For a long time, nobody has talked about that in almost like any community. Nobody's talked about it. And it's been, there's been a lot of shame around dealing with mental health and mental, mental illness, whatever it is. And so I'm trying to use physical examples because in, in, in a lot of a lot of the research that I've had and, and even my personal experience, people better understand things that they can physically see compared to what you cannot see. So if somebody says, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I deal with severe anxiety, people don't get it. But if somebody says, like, I, I have cancer, people are like, oh, I'm so sorry. I understand that. Da, da, da. And I'm not it's not fully one in one, but we both we understand that those are illnesses. Both are illnesses both impact those individuals. The example that I want to compare it to is the different types of diabetes. I don't know if diabetes is like a trigger word <laughs> for, for YouTube. And so I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm trying to be very careful in how I'm communicating this because I understand one illnesses of any type is very sensitive and very, very touchy. And so I'm going to I'm trying to be very careful of how I communicate my, my thoughts about this, this subject. Okay. So from my understanding, there are two different types of diabetes. There's type one diabetes and, you know, diabetes impacts, it impacts how people process sugar in their systems. And so how they can process certain foods and things like that. People who wrestle with type one diabetes can't do anything about it. They literally, for the most part, to my knowledge, and I mean, a lot of science and technology could have changed in, in the healthcare over the, the extent of my life. Cause I, I grew up with a friend who had type one diabetes. So there was something in his health and his body that didn't function the way it was supposed to. And there was nothing he could really do about it. He had to manage it a certain way. And, you know, for me, which is really, I still remember it to this day, like, it was, which is really weird, but like, you know, we would be hanging out or whatever. And he would have to do, like, he would have to take his blood sugar levels, you know, prick his finger and do all this kind of stuff. And then there were certain cases that he had to like take shots and stuff. And so there was a time that he like showed me, he was like, okay, this is, you know, got the needle and he like put in his leg and stuff like that. And he was like, Hey, I want you to know that I want you to know how to do this just in case I need your help one day. And I, th <laughs> I think as like kids, it's like, yo, what you're asking me to stick you with a needle? Like, Oh my gosh, man, this is a lot of, a lot of weight to it. But you know, I cared about him. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to learn. I'm going to figure it out. Um, even if that's <laughs> at some point, like I got to run and get an adult or whatever, but I understood that he was wrestling with it, with an illness. He was wrestling with a disease that he couldn't change anything about it. You know, it's just part of his life. So that's type one diabetes. Then there's type two diabetes, which sadly I think is becoming more common, particularly in our community. And oftentimes it is related to issues of poor health. Now, again, I understand there are people who wrestle with diabetes every day, who have to manage diabetes every day, type one and type two. But I also understand that type two diabetes has the potential to be reversed and also prevented depending on how you manage your health. Okay. So both diabetes type one and type two are illnesses. They are diseases. They are things that relate to our health. One, you can't really do anything about. It's just kind of in your life. 
the other, generally speaking, is able to be changed, is able to be reversed, is able to be prevented. So now we have, we have a spectrum. We have a spectrum of illnesses, and we also have a spectrum of health. How am I tying this to mental health? I believe it's the same thing. And one, we need to understand that. We need to get a wider and broader understanding of the gradient of mental health and mental, mental illness. You have, I wish I had a little chart or whatever, <laughs> um, but you have mental health and then you have mental illness, right? So there's a range of mental illness and then there's a range of mental health. In the whole scope of everything, just like with our health, with our physical health, in the whole scope of everything, we are, as people, responsible, and particularly as Black men, we are responsible with how we manage that range in our physical health and also within our mental health. We are responsible for that, whether that includes just the range of mental health, so managing just the overall general well-being of the state of your mind and your heart, because I think they're the same, and I'll touch on that in a second. They're tied together. And you're also responsible for if you do wrestle with a mental illness or disease, regardless if it's a type one or type two, you are responsible for that. And I get it. Like at some point for my friend, he had to take responsibility for managing his illness. Of course, he had parents that loved him and, you know, were helping him, guiding him through and who ultimately up to a certain point were responsible for him because he was a child. He was born with this illness, disease condition, and his parents had to take care of him up to a certain age where he then is responsible. And, you know, there were, I remember there were times where like <laughs> he would get fussed out because he's like, why are you doing this? You know, you needed to eat, you know, eat certain foods or whatever. Like you, you, you're responsible. He's like, he's like, you parents, his parents were like, you're at the age where you can manage this and you have to be aware of this for your health. You're responsible. You have all the tools. You have everything that you need to be healthy. And I get it. You know, there's a certain point just in general, as, as we grow up and as we mature, we are held responsible for our lives. And, and that includes all aspects of our lives, you know, whether it's health, whether it's finances, whatever, like there's a level of responsibility that we take on as maturing adults, right? My point is <laughs> that it ties together the same with mental health. And so it's very, very, very important that we as black men acknowledge that and start taking responsibility for that. We have to be responsible for our mental and emotional health, whether we wrestle with just trying to manage and sustain overall good mental health, or we wrestle with a mental illness. And because of that, because we are responsible, regardless if it's a mental illness or just general mental health, it's not an excuse or a scapegoat to excuse poor or bad behavior. Not at all. And again, like I mentioned, I understand the political game. I understand the way that the system works. It likes to give grace to certain people for the benefit of the machine. That's not right. I don't agree with it. And it's lame. And it's also not acceptable for us. Like there's, there's a room of grace for particular things, right? So if somebody does have severe mental illness, things that they really, really can't control, and it's something that's in their life and they just can't deal with it. The reality is there are people 
who, if they really, really are, really, really are on the extreme, they are, I would say, managed by society in a particular way because they understand that those individuals have no control. The disease and the illness has fully gripped them and they have no control. Those are special cases. And I, I would beg to say that that's the minority, even in when we can make in the comparison of physical conditions that people deal with. There is a minority of people who the severity of the illness and the disease that they wrestle with, they cannot manage it by themselves. So that means they are under special care. They are in hospitals, they're in special facilities because they do not have the power to navigate this thing. Generally speaking, that is the minority of people in the world and people in the society. Those are special cases. Now for people who just make really bad decisions and who aren't being responsible for managing their health, whether it's physical or mental, those individuals are to be held responsible for their actions. And again, I understand it can get very touchy. Get it. I think it's important, one, that we make the, the line of demarcation. There are people who it's, it's very severe, okay? Then there are people who just aren't doing the work to take care of themselves. And I get it. Like, we learn. We get better at stuff. Like, for me, understanding that I wrestle with depression, now that I'm aware of it and I acknowledge it, it's now my responsibility to manage how I show up in the world, how I show up for myself, how I take care of myself, how when I am in depressive states or, you know, like depressive moods or just not in a good place, I have to do things to make sure that I'm okay and that I'm not impacting those around me. And for those who really do wrestle and who have a desire to actually manage their mental health and well, they make that effort. You know, there isn't, there is on the show, Dave, Dave, that features little Dickie and like his experience in life or whatever. One of the characters, which is, I think his actual like hype man in, in real life, like their actual friends, Gator. And one of the episodes, it, it talked about mental illness and it talked about how Gator wrestles and struggles with bipolar. If I'm not right, if, I, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, I think he wrestled with bipolar. And so as the show goes on, like you see examples of when he was having really, really highs and really, really lows because, you know, it was those were the extremes. And for one, a lot of people didn't know how to manage that around him and in society and stuff like the community didn't know how to manage that. But at some point, at like near the end of the episode, Gata is having one of those situations because I don't think he took his medicine or something like that. But he, he expressed and he explained to Dave and the rest of their friends there that, yo, I, I wrestle with this and it's a real thing. And that was such an amazing episode because I think it exposed and, and it shined, shone a light on the, re the reality of mental illness and how it's a struggle for people to manage it, but also how it takes work to manage it. And so at no point was Gata really like making an excuse for it. But he explained and he took responsibility for it. You know, like, this is what's happening to me. I need you to understand. And like, I'm sorry that these things are happening, but it is what it is. And in that incident, I think that was a great example of how, as people in general, we have to navigate that. Like, there's still a level of responsibility that Gator took and knowing like, yo, okay, this is what's happening. This is kind of what I'm going through or whatever. And also, you know, having a community around to help support him and to show him love and stuff like that. So when it comes to us as black men, we have to be responsible for our mental health. 
we have to do the work to navigate it and make sure that we're in a good place. We have to. If, if we don't, we're doing a disservice to ourselves and those around us. And it's tricky and it's hard, but we also understand that there are a lot of resources and tools out there to help us be in a better place. I get it. We, in general, when it comes to our mental health, it's something that we've ignored for a very, very long time. We've ignored for a very long time. And I continue to make these comparisons between physical and the mental so that we can see a picture. You know, like, for example, we're learning better. We're learning better practices when it comes to eating food. We're realizing and learning that there is a lot of stuff being put in our food that's messing us up, that's leading to physical diseases, that's having an impact on the way that we live. And it's a struggle. It's a struggle, whether it's people struggling with sugar addiction, people struggling with caffeine addiction, or eating food that's full of chemicals and poisons that we don't know about. But more and more resources and tools are coming out to help us better manage our physical health. The same thing is happening when it comes to our mental and emotional health. More and more tools and resources are becoming available, particularly for us as black men, so that we can navigate this stuff, so that we can deal with anger, so that we can deal with depression, so that we can deal with uh, anxiety, that we can deal with the various things that make up our overall general mental health, our overall general emotional health. Again, I'm trying to create the, <laughs> create this picture of understanding of our, of our health because it one, it's very, very important. And two, we need to understand the range of what is our responsibility. And one little thing, a big part of that is communication. How we communicate to one another, to ourselves, and to those around us is our responsibility. And that ties into our emotional and mental health. If we are not willing to do the work to better grasp what's going on with inside of us and being in a better position to share that with those around us, we're going to have issues, you know, even with that communication thing. If we don't take the time to actually emote, if we don't take the time to understand that we can be sad, that we can be happy, that we can be afraid, that we can have all of these different complex emotions and feelings, if we don't do that, we can't manage it well. We can't be fully whole. We are like, I'm trying to, again, I'm trying to find the, find the right words. We're doing a disservice to ourselves. And we're, like I was saying, when you have the two different types of diabetes, because we're not doing the work that we're doing, we are like putting ourselves in type two of a mental illness. We're putting ourselves in a position that we're not living well. We're putting ourselves in poor health, dis-ease, illness, when we're not doing the work, but we need to do the work. We need to do the work so that we can be in good general overall health, so that we can ultimately be beneficial for those around us, so that we can ultimately be better for ourselves. And I get it, it's hard. I get it that it's it's strange and it's foreign, but it's something that needs to be done and it's something that needs to be addressed. And I'm grateful that there are people who are out there who really are, really are doing the work to equip people um, and there are people, there are organizations and things who are actually doing the work to equip black men to be in a better mental and emotional health. And with this platform, I just want to help us manage it better. And I want a big part of managing it, I think, is identifying things and also checking our thoughts, checking the things that we believe. Because like I just mentioned about becoming more aware of the things that we're eating and that we're consuming. It's the same thing with our mental health. There's certain things that we consume that make us sick. 
there's same there's some things that we consume that lead to bad behavior that lead to us not being beneficial and it jacks us up and what i mentioned earlier was talking about like the connection between the heart and the mind with our mental and emotional health to be honest i i really believe that's tied to our soul you know in scripture it talks about people man in general being made of three parts spirit soul and body we understand the body part this is the physical earth this is what you know we're made of earth atoms red like earth dust you know brown soil actually like <laughs> like earth um then we understand understand a little bit the spirit you know the spirit can be a little far off but i think just as kind of strange and foreign sometimes is the soul but our soul in my understanding is where our emotions and our thoughts and our intellect is and where we make decisions and so our emotional and mental health ultimately is tied to our soul health and the thing is like again we are to some degree responsible for the health of our soul there are things that we have to be mindful of in guarding our soul and the things that we feed our soul the things that we let out that's our responsibility we are responsible for the the things that come into our mind the things that come into our heart so if you're listening to music that makes you angry or makes you sad or has a negative impact on you a level of responsibility to you is to understand that maybe i can't listen to this maybe i can't listen to things that are impacting my heart or i have to be careful of the things that i watch on youtube i have to be careful of the articles that i read because they are leading me to believe things that are actually having a negative impact on my mental health whether it's for some people they can't and they shouldn't watch the news that's something they're consuming because as much as they watch the news it leads to anxiety it leads to depression which again it can be a type 1 type 2 situation some people depression just shows up doesn't make any sense it's wild it's crazy and it grips them in such a impactful and powerful way and then there's those because they're not careful of the things that they consume and the things that they are allowing in leads them to a place of being depressed and so again i understand this is a touchy situation this is a touchy topic but again i i think it's important that as black men we need to do the work to manage the health of our soul we need to do the work to manage the health of our of our minds and our emotions and either way whether we have a type 1 situation or a type 2 situation it is our responsibility to navigate it it's our responsibility to get resources to get help especially if we are once it's been shown to us that yo your 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 mental health is a thing or your emotional health is a thing whether it's a clear understanding of 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 a disease or an illness or maybe you're just not in poor you're not in good health you just have poor mental and emotional health you're not good at communicating you're like your thoughts are just always negative or a drag or whatever we're responsible for that and the reason why it's such a big responsibility is because that poor health can lead and impact our behavior so for example as i mentioned earlier like if you're smoking a lot that can impact your lungs the way you breathe and say say you want to run or exercise but if your lungs are full of smoke and tar you're not going to get that far or you're going to have a really hard time running or if you're eating a lot of food and it leads to you being in an unhealthy state you know being overweight or whatever it's going to be difficult for you to physically do things 
It's the same thing. It's very similar, I should say, to our mental health. If you're not taking care of that, it's going to impact your behavior. It's going to impact your thoughts. It's going to impact how you can emotionally relate to people or just be in the emotional state that you're in. So we have to take responsibility for that on the spectrum, wherever we are, whether we're in, you know, just managing general mental, emotional, soul health, soul health, or if we're in a case where like, oh, this is severe. We got to do the work to get better for ourselves and to get better ultimately, I believe, for our community. So, I mean, I don't know. That, <laughs> that was just a little bit about mental health, you know, and it matters to me a lot um, because I understand from my own personal experience and the things that I've seen from the men in my life, our health in general has a huge impact on those around us and it has a huge impact on how we can live our lives. And there's, it's been for a very long time that we have neglected that, our mental health, our emotional health, because we've been taught to do that a lot of times by society and by the culture that we're in. And it's broken up homes. It's led people to make really bad decisions because their soul health was bad. And a lot of it was excused. This is just the way I am. No, you can change that. You can do work on that. Whether you choose to or not is a different thing, which is sometimes the case. Some people, even if they are made aware of their poor health decisions, physically, mentally, all that stuff, they're making bad decisions. They're just choosing to. And in situations like that, that's when you got to get into that spiritual health, to be honest, my mind, because there's something there keeping you or affecting you to not make better decisions for yourself. That's a real thing. We can talk about that another time. But it really touches me because I know as Black men, we have so much potential and so much work to do. And for us to do that, we have to be in good health. We have to be good health all around, and particularly in our mental health. Because as I've mentioned before, what we think impacts what we believe, and that impacts how we behave. And so we got to do that work. We got to make sure that our health, our, our mental state, our mental mental is good so that we can process things well, so that we can make better decisions, so that we can go out and believe things differently and behave differently, so that we can be beneficial for our community and so that we can um, just be our best selves, you know? All right. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> I hope that makes sense. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for watching the show. I uh, really, really appreciate it. Again, if you're watching on YouTube, please like, share, and subscribe and leave a comment. Let me know your thoughts. Um, again, I understand that mental health is a challenging uh, discussion and it's something that we're working on. And again, my point is, I think it's just time for us as black men to take responsibility for our health so that we can live better and be better for those around us. Again, I'm not trying to use mental health or mental illness as an escape or a scapegoat or an excuse for the reason why a lot of guys are trash. No, not at all. That's not what I'm trying to say. I understand that there are people who just choose to be trash. And I understand that there are also people who just don't understand and they need to do work. They need to take their responsibility. And even for those people who are being trash, they need to take their responsibility and if they choose not to, there will be consequences for it. And that sucks. That's just the fact. But I, I believe that as black men, we can get better. And it starts with acknowledging that we need to do work to get better so that we can improve our health. All right, let me wrap this up. Um, again, thank you for watching. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, please like, share, and subscribe. If you're listening on your favorite podcasting app, please leave a review, leave a comment. And you can also reach out to me either on YouTube or on Instagram or on Twitter. My handles are the same. 
Jamal Calpin, hit me up. Let's talk. Let's discuss. I want to hear your thoughts. You know, all that stuff. Black man, you're called for more than mediocre living. You're here for a purpose, to live for glory and for good and for the good of others. Let's do the work and keep choosing to become beneficial for our community. I believe in you. Until next time, go make something for yourself, of yourself, and for God's glory and the good of others. They'll be safe, and I'll talk to you later. Peace.